So it's I don't not know. the size of the fish penis, David. It's how you <laughs> use it. It's the motion in the ocean. It's the motion in the ocean. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is Alon. And this is David. And today I finally watched The Shape of Water. Did you uh did you like the movie, David? There's a lot of fish sex, I gotta tell you. You know what's funny is that when I first watched this, I told you about this, but when I first watched this, it was on an airplane. Um, I was on my way to Europe, and I was like, oh, I haven't seen this. I really want to see this. And um, so I watched it, and I didn't realize how much was edited out because it's the airplane version. So when I watched it last night, I was like, boy, I, I don't remember that <clears throat> being that much nudity in the movie. Yeah. 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 Cause when I, when I saw it, uh, for the first time, I told you my first comment was a lot of fish sex. And, and I was like, what, uh, are you, what are you talking about, man? Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember that. I mean, I think that is just like a thing to say about this movie. And it's probably why a lot of people kind of maybe dismiss it. Also just the fact that it's like a classic, Hollywood type of movie, but that's what I loved about it. I think Is it it's... a classic Hollywood type of movie? Because I I describe it as like weird enough to win the Oscar, but also like common enough to win the Oscar. Um, I mean, it's like an homage to like Creature of the Black Lagoon, which is obviously like a, a movie that a lot of people know and love. It's got these like really, it's got a really great sort of old timey score. It, you know, pays homage to like classic, like older movies that have like these dancing scenes. Um, you know, it talks about Fred Astaire and then they have the, like the Heidi scene where they're dancing up the stairs and then they have the Heidi the dreams. I'm sorry. Huh? You mean Sh- Shirley? Well, I know her as Heidi because that's the movie. I That's the Shirley Temple movie that I watched as a kid was Heidi. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, Shirley Temple. And um, did you ever see Heidi by Shirley? I, I did. I did. About that. When we tried to figure out the oldest movie we had ever seen. Um, yes, I've seen Heidi. And then that the weird dance singing sequence at the uh, almost tail end of the movie. Like all of that, you know, all that's classic Hollywood shit. And so, but I, I liked it. We'll get mm. to my feelings on the, the dance at the end. But overall, no, I, I thought it was really great. Um, and it's it's one of those movies that like, is purposefully like leaning into every aspect of it. Like it's not very subtle in like right. what it's trying to do. Yeah. And like Michael Shannon, for example, is the most, I don't want to rank evilness again, but he is irredeemable in every aspect of this movie. There's never a nice moment. There's not a moment where he knees down and pets a puppy. Like he's always bad. Yeah. And, and you know what I really love about this is that I feel like, this movie likes to keep the audience on its on its toes. So like when you first get introduced to Michael Shannon really really as a as a person is that bathroom scene where he's like he washes his <laughs> he washes his hands before going to the bathroom but then he doesn't feel like he has to wash his hands after going to the bathroom cuz like I guess like his penis is so glorious that he doesn't mind like well he doesn't I, touch it uh, he doesn't touch it either. That's true. Well, uh, I guess wait, wait, this this did raise a question to me. Are you a before the peeing kind of guy, or you do you wash your hands after peeing? You know, you can really tell a man's worth and what he thinks of himself if he wash it when he washes his hands going to the bathroom. David, I am a, a normal person, non psychotic, so I wash my hands after I I go to the restroom. You know, and sometimes you have to do it both because, like, what if you just what if you're at the movies and you like had butter popcorn all over your hands? Like you're going to need to clean your hands before you like are unzipping and going down there. So I, uh, wait, yeah. wait, who's going down there when your hands are going down. Oh, there. okay. <laughs> There's not like some attendant handling, handling it for you. I don't know which movie theaters you go to, but, um, <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, it, it, he's described in such a way that, that, um, their interaction is so interesting when they first meet. I'm talking about the Michael Sh- Shannon, who's our villain and um, our main character. And 
every aspect of the movie is so well just like like when she first sees him right in the in the restroom and she goes to touch the like the electric baton thing and then when she sees the electric baton just sitting there like a couple scenes later just on the chair like she knows he's somewhere close so she hides that's just really smart like movie making right there yeah right there's like a ton of like little examples that we'll get to along the way i really love the opening shots uh setting up the movie it starts in like the ocean basically and then travels down that like the corridor of the apartment to her just like laying in the water i think i thought that was like really cool it is really cool and feels like it would have taken a lot of work to do Um, i know i was gonna say i would have liked to seen like the behind the scenes shot of how they pulled that off exactly I'm pretty sure you can probably find it. Um, I also, I like the quote of, uh, and the monster who tried to destroy it all. And I obviously knew a little bit about the movie. So I was like, I, want, I mean, if you knew nothing, maybe that plays, but that like, you have to know that's Michael Shannon from the beginning, I feel like. Right. Um, so it's like, you, yeah, I don't, I don't think that took anyone by surprise. Uh, maybe. I mean, I, I think if you know, the fact that she falls in love with the fish man, then yeah, you're not going to come by surprise for, for that. Um, what did you think of like the gore, like the blood and gore of the film? Cause uh, the, just to, just to kind of give our audience an understanding if they haven't seen this film, it's very like greens and blues, right? Like that's how you would describe the color palette and the production design of the entire film is just a bunch of greens and blues, but then there's so much blood and it's just this oversaturated stark red that just like shoots through the scenery. Like when there's blood in the room, you can see it from a mile away. Right. And it makes that part of it, it stand out. And the, the normal color palette of the movie, I think really it's kind of, it's going for that old Hollywood look, I think is, is the point of it. Uh, to me, but and I, think I, it just I mean, everything accentuates is, that. Yeah, I mean, everything is in a blue green light, right? Yeah, I, yeah, that's what I said. Okay. I agreed. But I mean, what did you mean by by it being kind of like old Hollywood? Well, that I think like the yeah, the look of it is the part that felt that way the most to me. Of like, it just had a look to it of like an old oh, like, classical like time period. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Um, even like you know, the way her apartment looked, the way the city looked, the being over a theater and watching and having these like very old movies playing. Um, all of that, I think just, just plays into it. The way they use blood in the movie, I thought was really interesting because you first see blood on the sink. Once like Michael Shannon leaves the, um, the bathroom, there's like a couple drops of blood. But when I said this movie keeps you on your toes, did you see that scene coming? Like right after, like him having his two fingers bitten off? Um, like, was that crazy to you for that to happen so early on in the movie? I mean, I didn't know what to expect as far as the story was going. And I, I, I liked the, the way the story ended up going. Not just the ending, but like throughout. I liked the 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 journey along the way i i think i enjoyed the way that that scene was played out mostly i don't know i don't know necessarily if it took me by surprise i can't really remember but i do love like the hearing of the gunshots and the screams and then you know that happens far away and then michael shannon just walking holding his hand and no one around besides you know uh eliza zelda and then just watching, or was it just like, I can't remember, but just them watching him with his fingers, like is, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then they had to go in and clean up the blood. But one thing I really like about the whole movie is that aspect of it where they have to sew his fingers back together, like back onto his hand. And then the fact that they're just like turning blacker and blacker through the whole film, I thought was just like, like we as the audience saw what was coming, but for that payoff at the end was just really awesome. Yeah, and I do want to talk about it more. 
I think the ending and especially his, uh, the the fish's relationship to um, Giles, played by Richard Jenkins, it, it does raise some questions about like you know what happened to strickland's hand um what did you think of uh eliza's morning or nightly routine before going to work <laughs> you're talking about when she i just think it's funny like they just keep showing it over and over again she's like all right she gets out of bed sets her egg then her egg timer and then takes her like her happy time bath <laughs> like just okay. showing that throughout that's what of, you're like, talking about <laughs> she just has like the same routine I was reading something kind of interesting, and this is something I, I sort of missed, but um, yeah, obviously in the beginning, they show her showing her neck, and she has these three lines that just look like gills. There's six lines. It's three on each side. Yeah, I know, but they only showed one side. Okay. My, my point is you have that, and then you have her like taking this bath where she's like pleasuring herself. And then the only time you see her have sex, which they don't show it, but you see her with the fish like in the bathtub or when they fill up the, the, um, the whole bathroom. And someone pointed out that if it kind of almost points to her potentially being like some sort of like hybrid of like a human slash like she may have come from the water because like things on her necks are kind of gills. And similar to the fish guy, like all of her sexual interactions like happen in water. And they're Yeah, but I mean I hate to be the this guy again, like with annihilation, but you could also look at it as metaphorical, right? Well, it's not a metaphor, it's more of just like symbolism. It's I don't know if Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Okay, so it's more symbolism. But also I think one thing that you have to keep in mind when watching the movie is that the movie itself is a science fiction fantasy film. So like, yeah, maybe, maybe she's like part fish. I mean, her background is weird. Wasn't she like, just like mute until like her entire life and she's not deaf, but she, right. she just doesn't have a voice, which I thought was such an interesting aspect to her character. It's like, okay, you don't have to get over the barrier of her not being able to hear people, but you have to get her the over, over the barrier that she's not allowed to speak. So I thought that was really interesting as far as her character. And then that puts her in enough mystery to like wander things about, is she a fish? Is she hybrid a fish? Is she not really a fish? Is this all, you know, just for show? You know, I, I think that's just up to, to your interpretation of her as, as the audience. Well, no, no, I agree. And I, but I, I like, you know, sometimes I'll read a theory on something and I'll be like, oh, I don't see it. And sometimes I'll be like, oh, that makes sense. And other times I'll be like, that is what this movie means to me. Like once I read it, I'm like, okay, that's the, inter that's the only thing that makes sense. At least this, it's like, it's something I didn't notice. And I'm not saying that's the only way to look at it. I'm just saying it's a cool way to look at it. I think it's one of those things where it's, it's kind of purposely putting all these things here for you to make that interpretation. Not necessarily that that's the only interpretation. It's also reinforced at the end of the film. And we'll talk about that later. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Now, the only other thing that I think is important really from the beginning part, I like uh, Octavia Spencer's like introduction just bitching about her husband the whole time. Um, but when they bring in the fish, and I'm just going to keep calling it the fish, but when they bring him in, they just let, like, Eliza just walks right up to it and is, like, staring at it. And I was like, what's the, like, what kind of security do we got going on here that they just let the, the cleaning ladies, like... Zero. Yeah. That was the part where I was like, uh, that's a little how, how is she allowed to have lunch with him every single day without anyone drawing suspicion to it and there's then, a whole only... there's a whole wall of cameras and sh and michael shannon's like do not go in there and she's like I'm, I'm gonna go in there and and you have to almost guess from what we've seen of him is he's constantly staring at that wall of cameras and yet there's nothing that like tips him off so, you know, you, we were talking about your second watch of the film, David, and you were like, wow, I'm surprised how far we are with only an hour left. I mean, keep in mind, this is only a two-hour movie, tops, right? Maybe two-hour, three-minute. 
And an hour into the movie, all of a sudden you have like a heist film. Right. And I thought that was really, really interesting because you're doused in this like fish man sci-fi movie, Creature from the Black Lagoon almost. And now you're wearing a heist film of like we're busting. It's not, it's not even a heist film. It's like a prison break film, right? Right. Like we're, we're busting him out. But let me ask you, at the same time that Eliza – so the reason Eliza wants to bust him out is because the government has found no use for him, uh, the fish man. And they're like, hey, we'll find out more about him if we like kill him and dissect him. So now it's the urgency of, hey, we got to get him out of this facility before they do that. What did you think about Dimitri's motivation and his like storyline? How did you feel about that? No, I mean, I think it, I liked it. Um, I like that actor uh, and I think he was great in this. I think it's just, it's just another plot line. One to add like a little kind of, to fill out the world a little bit you know, to add this Russian plot line sort of also sets the scene and the time a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, but he's, it, I think he is kind of just in adding that plot, it's also a plot device to make the heist more realistic yeah. and to make, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that sh- she's able to not let this thing die and is in her bathtub, you know what I mean? So I, th- I think he's mostly just a plot driven piece. But especially, I, think, I, I feel especially like that to the end of the movie. Right. Uh, one thing real quick I want to say too about, you know, we were talking about her eating lunch with the, uh, with the fish. Um, you know, one argument you can make is that, and she talks about how like the fish really sees her and like kind of like the emotional scene where she's t- talking to Giles about stealing him. Yeah. She's like, he really sees me and no one else does. And you could say that, oh, you know, she just goes unnoticed. But there's this creepy Michael Shannon's kind of infatuated with her thing going on specifically when he's having like the sex scene with his wife and then like puts his bloody hand on top of her mouth and says, I want you silent. It's gross. It's super. It is gross. Super gross. That, that whole scene. All right, let's, let's break this down. First of all, the sun is really annoying. Yes. Uh, Michael Shannon's son, but also I think purposely kind of like an effeminate character in the sun. All right. And I think it's because it, I think it makes sense because Michael Shannon is this USA first government guy from the sixties who like, this is the way things should be. And to have a son like that, who's kind of girly and like kisses him on the cheek before like going off that kid's like 12 or 13. I think is like kind of a purposeful little like point, but then the, the wife like really wanting him to like wash his hands before he comes upstairs and then checking to make sure they've been washed. Yes. And not even checking the gross one, but checking the other one. And then the thing that I took the most notice of and just completely like didn't pull me out of the movie. Cause uh, you know, whatever she pulls her breast out for him to grab and then when you go to the sex scene, they're then both back like in. And it's like, what was the point of that? Like, was it because yeah, like she's movie... like in her bra during? Yeah, I don't know. Like, was the point like, at, to me, it just doesn't make any sense practically. So it's just like, don't show the nudity in the beginning. Well, okay. So here's, here's what I'm going to say about that. I watched the airplane version <laughs> as my first time watching this film. And I absolutely love this film. I absolutely fell in love with it. I thought every aspect was really, really awesome. I thought the story was awesome. The character was awesome. How it ended, I love the movie. Uh, when I watched it this time, the like R-rated version, I guess you would say, and you had all the sex and you had all the nudity and you had all the gore and blood and whatever, whatever. Honestly, to me, none of it made me like it more. None of it made me lo- made me like it less, but I honestly didn't feel like I was missing anything. I know that kind of sounds weird, but honestly, like where in the movie that you're going to see an extra boob or two or like what at, at the extent of where she's hugging or she's sorry, quote unquote, having sex with the fish man. 
basically all we see as the audience is them hugging underwater, right? And dancing almost. Right. It's, it's beautiful because it was just the cinematography. It was beautifully shot. But as far as like story-wise and plot-wise, I honestly wasn't missing anything. No, yeah. And I mean, this is a feeling I have in most movies that I never really think the nudity never is almost never necessary to a story. Like, no, but hold on now. So now we cut to Michael Shannon having like sex with his wife. And it wasn't the sex scene that was like, oh man, I really wish that was in the airplane. It was when he took his dead ass, blood ass fingers <laughs> and like rubbed it all over her face, trying to shut her up. And like the, the blood marks that was left over on her lip. And I was like, that is so gross, but also so amazing in developing like what kind of character he is. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, yeah, that, that part was necessary. I'm just. But they couldn't show it on the airplane because it was like, right, it was a whole full on sex scene. I don't understand why they couldn't show him, I guess, because his ass. But if you just, if you just cut to him, if you have her smell his hand and then a hard cut to him on top of her. No, they did that. They did that. But you couldn't see his hand covering her face and leaving the blood mark. I don't know why. Maybe they thought that that was too like violent for the, for Delta. It was American Airlines. No, it was Delta. Um, it was it was um, the other scene, apart from the nudity scenes and that scene, the other scene that they took out from the airplane movie was him biting off the head of the cat. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a violence thing. Um, I really want to start talking about the next part to me that's kind of important, and it's the setup of Richard Jenkins' character, who narrates the beginning and end but is eliza's neighbor um and i think the first interesting or i want to talk about dixie doug's the pie shop place when he goes in um one that's the most that's not key lime pie like key lime pie isn't like it's not no that's some translucent jello jello shit right there it was jello with like whipped cream on top it was dixie doug at one point could be like that key lime's so good, though. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> what is that? Um, but I, I, I like that setup. Um, that was good. Of, you know, him continually going to buy the pie and, <laughs> and then telling Eliza not to spit out the pie. One thing that I thought was really weird in that scene is when he goes to put the pie away and you see all the other pies, like, in the fridge. Why don't you just get another fucking pie? Why don't you you got to throw those out. But Eliza is changing. What do you mean? What do you mean? Oh, why don't you get a different kind? Yeah. Um, I think it's because the the dude that he's infatuated with really like sells the key lime as being good. And so he's trying to be like, oh, I take your recommendation. I think that's probably why. Okay, that makes sense. I thought it was because if you order like if. You, okay, so I went into like this coffee shop, right? And I found that if you order different things, no one's going to pay attention to you. But people are going to pay attention to you if you go in and you order the same exact drink every single time you go. And then next time you go in, they're going to like, hey, do you want the usual, right? That's how you get remembered. And this entire point of him going into this pie shop is to get remembered by the guy serving the pie. So it's almost like this thing where you go in and you order it every time. It doesn't matter if it's recommendation, his recommendation. If you go in and order the same thing every time, you're going to be remembered for that thing you order. Yeah, I mean, that also makes sense too. Um, but the thing I want to point out in the scene is, right, as he's putting the pie in the fridge, Eliza's changing the channels. And she changes the channel to like a news program that shows like, um sort of like a a protest of a lot of black people in in a confrontation with police yes and giles richard jenkins is me like turn that off i don't want to watch that turn that off and i was like why is that in there like i it didn't i didn't really get well it really it really dates the the film like the era right it's good i didn't have i didn't have a problem with the news scene i thought giles reaction was really odd and like, I didn't understand what the, mo- what the movie was trying to say 
about his reaction. And the only thing I could think is later on when he goes back to the pie shop and he kind of makes his move and grabs the guy's hand and the guy like, whoa, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And then the guy, the pie guy kicks the black people out and says, you guys aren't allowed to be here, basically. I think it was almost like a, a Richard Jenkins is kind of like, it's ba- ba- like he doesn't care about other people's issues that her- they're having to deal with, specifically maybe like African-American people's issues. And then, and then when he can relate it back to his own issues, and now all of a sudden he's like, oh, we got to save the fish guy. Yeah, yeah, because he's like, you didn't have to talk to them like that. You know, he doesn't want to watch it on the news, but when he sees it in person, he's like, well, that's not right. And then he also can relate it to the fact that he's a gay man who's now, you know, been rejected by this guy sort of harshly and then the guy tells him you don't need to come here either i also thought i did think it was funny that he thought like when he heard the guy was from ottawa he's like oh wow this guy might this might be my guy (laughs) earlier in the movie (laughs) let me ask you you had this other like whole side story for richard jenkins about he was like an ad man right he was like an artist ad man right something happened him losing his job at the ad agency and now he's almost like freelancing third party on like some ads for jello right yeah it was photography i mean it was he drew he drew all that no no what i'm saying is photography is what cost him his job everyone he was saying everyone was using photographs now oh it was photography okay because my question to you was do you think something about him being gay got out because there was some very underlining, like, the guy he met up with, I don't know if it was his boss, but the guy he met up with with trying to, like, sell him his drawing of the family with Jello. Right. There was this, like, moment where they, like, looked at each other, like, you know you're not allowed to come back here. And it's, like, this kind of this weird, underhanded thing. And I was, like, is it, is it, is it trying to bring home the fact that his, him being the fact that he's gay and closeted because of like the forties or fifties or whatever time it is, um, is not only affecting his, his pie eating, um, but it's also affecting like his work and his other, his other aspects of life. Did you get that feeling or am I like reading too much into this? That was the photography thing. Okay. I'm reading. Maybe I, I, that, that was my other kind of issue with, you know, I think the movie I was I was looked this isn't something I came up with. Someone pointed out that because the fish can't speak and Eliza can't speak, the two people in the movie that can't speak are a gay man and a black woman. And so that that's trying to make a point that, you know, normally they wouldn't be able to speak in this time period and you know, the 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 shit they would have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. But then when you have this like like I said, the news thing and then he's like turn that off, turn that off. And then I, I just feel like the the movie doesn't deal with issues like that very it's kind of superficial a little bit. Hmm. Um so I don't think they got too deep on the you know the Well see David, I don't think you quite through. yeah, man. But David, I don't think you quite understand that the whole movie was a metaphor about the civil rights movement expressed to you by a fish man loving a, a deaf woman. Or a, a mute woman, sorry. Did you, did you get that metaphor? I mean, I, I felt like that metaphor was pretty strong. Maybe. <laughs> um, did you, I'm, I'm just kind of at this point where I'm lost on exactly where we are, but you realize that she knows sign language because she's mute and not deaf. But Michael Shannon is so close-minded, he doesn't bother to like, know anything outside his own like Ameri- English language, right? So when she signs F-U-C-K-Y-O-U to him and he gets extraordinarily angry because he doesn't understand what she's saying to him and and he goes and asks, what's her name? Zelda, right? Yep. Octavia Spencer's ca- character? Zelda. Zelda. Um. When she goes and asks, he goes and asks Zelda, what did she just say? Or what did, you know, what did she just say to me? It's this shot where Zelda's positioned exactly behind her. So she literally can't like read her, uh, her hand positioning. But then when they come closer, she's like signing thank you. That is not thank you. 
No, it was thank you. I thought it was still fuck you. No, I, think, she, I thought I think Zelda was lying. No, no, no. She st- like she quickly changed it to thank you, and Zelda was like she's signing thank you, but like signing fuck you, and then all of a sudden signing thank you is like very different. And I don't know how he didn't like press upon that. I, I also want to point out real quick before I get to a different scene, but Richard Jenkins is probably the funniest part of this. And when he goes and yes. sees his his boss uh, and the boss is like, oh, the jello needs to be green now um, and the family needs to be happier. And he's like, the, but look at the husband. He looks like he's just discovered missionary position. Um, like that, just one example of, of like how funny he is in this. My, one of my favorite scenes is the first meeting with Strickland where he brings them in. Uh, he brings in uh, Octavia and uh, Eliza, Zelda and Eliza. And yes. this is right after she's first fed the egg to the fish. Yes. Um, which is really cool. She like teaches him the sign for fish and she, she understands his hesitancy to be around humans. And so she just sets it down so he can grab it. But that scene, that scene is really cool. One, I like where he's like, yeah, they found mustard on my fingers when she like, when he got them uh, reattached. And then she just hands the ring to him, which when she first took the ring, I was like, why don't you just leave it on the finger? Like, why is she like holding it on onto it for later? Um, but uh, that part's great. It, it points out more of like Strickland being an asshole, especially when uh, he's like, you know, God didn't make that thing. You know, God makes people in his image. That thing's not human. He's like, do you think God looks like the fish or Jesus looks like the fish? And, uh, uh, Zelda's like, well, I don't know. And he's like, no, he looks like me. Yeah. Maybe even like you. Probably more like me. Just like one last asshole line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so great. I mean, I really... He's probably my favorite character in the whole thing. Just because how good of a villain he was uh, developed into. You, well, know how I was... much I, you know how much I love a good villain. Well, and as we discussed, he's like he's so great at being a bad guy character just being like a foil but also just he can be an asshole really well just like he is a great antagonist for a movie you you've seen man of steel yes and plays zod okay he's he's good in that i actually liked man of steel Uh, yeah i didn't say you, you i liked man of steel a lot of people didn't. Well, their opinions don't matter. They're wrong. Um, okay, so the point of the film where they're Eliza and, and Fish Fishman are developing their relationship and that montage of her showing him the music. Um, I guess the first time I watched this, I didn't think like their relationship was very well developed. Like she kind of just jumps into bed with him more right the jumps into the tub with him and um but watching it again i'm like they really do actually spend quite a bit on building that romance between them yeah i they maybe could have given a better explanation of why she was drawn to him already but that's probably because she's actually a fish person so really i think that's in the subtext okay um i do like in that montage and this is something I noticed more on second watch, but in the montage, I, you notice right away that um, Hofstetler Dimitri notices their relationship blooming. Like he keeps catching them. If you'll notice after that though, Hofstetler just keeps bringing the fish more and more eggs throughout yes. the movie. At one point it's like two dozen eggs, like on a platter. Are you thinking that Hofstetler really wants the fish to fall in love with him? The Hofstetler, the reason he really doesn't want the fish to die is because he's trying to fuck the fish. Got it. That's what I thought. See, that takes like an extra like layer of subtext, metaphors, and um, symbolism to really get to that point. To understand, uh, which the movie. does bring us to the reveal that Hofstetler is a, a Russian double agent. Um, I I think those scenes are pretty funny too, where he like he's like finally gets brought to the restaurant and uh, that's after doing like the code with the guy and it's windy and he can't hear it. And he's like, why did you make me sit out there for an hour? We always come to this shitty restaurant. He's like, I don't know. I might've changed my mind. Yeah, that was great. Um, 
if if you do want to talk about metaphor, let's talk about the metaphor in the whole film about authority. Because you can see like the working class person like Eliza and Zelda being, you know, the cleaning ladies. Um, who, who's their floor manager? What's his name? Fleming? Fleming. So like he's the he's the security guy really though. Okay, okay, whatever. The point is like Fleming and them and then you have Hostetler who's like He's an agent, but he's like at the bottom of the totem pole, right? So all the authority, like the uh, Michael Shannon's character, the general, like there's always someone above someone, right? And I feel like that's done on purpose that like, there's always gonna be someone above you. There's always gonna be someone below you. And the people who are nothing, or at least you know they're they're you think they're nothing, they're gonna be your foil, because they they're the ones who who can go around unnoticed and get away with shit. I know there's probably a deeper meaning in that, but I just kind of like that whole theme of like the entire movie. I feel is like that. Every I aspect mean, of the movie is it, is focusing on the fact that people who don't notice other people, those are the people to watch out for. Well, yeah, we point out how there's cameras everywhere, but he never notices Michael Shannon, who's even in love with, or not in lust, wants to fuck Eliza, um, doesn't Jesus, notice David. this relationship. Well, I called it love first, and that is that is not what was going on in, in Michael Shannon's pants. Um, he doesn't notice this woman that he's infatuated with, like, developing this relationship with the the fish guy and this is like the asset it's the whole reason he's there and he doesn't notice it um you know they plan this whole breakout and i love uh fleming afterwards like this had to be a highly trained hit squad of no less than 10 men <laughs> and that's, what I, was, staring, that's what I was working up to as they're staring at the two people who did it just outside the window um and like even in the end, uh, Michael Shannon's character is like, you know, grilling them. He's like, "Well, your time cards, you know, kind of confirm that you couldn't have been here." And then at the end, he's like, "Why the fuck am I talking to the help?" And this is the scene where she starts, you know, cursing him out. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, that's obviously like a theme throughout, and it also it adds like the comedy elements to it as well. I just am really glad that it seems like art got a promotion from being Raylan's manager and he's now a general over Michael Shannon. That is, that is great for him. You really stuck a, a justified reference in there, huh? He's playing the same fucking character. It's like really the same is. thing. He really is. He's so typecast. It's kind of sad, but I like the the line where he's like, "Son, you can tell me what you want to do with that fish, but it's my damn decision." I was like, "That's fucking Art Mullen right there." Um, yeah, the <laughs> I, I knew you'd like that part. Um, so when they decide, okay, so it's a heist now, right? It's a it's a jailbreak heist film, and they break the fish out, and the way they do it is so awesome with Dimitri's help. Um. I thought that him meticulously, um, Richard Jenkins, meticulously like painting the side of the van, making that false card, like that was going to be like the best part of the plan. That was going to be the plan that works. And for that to have failed so quickly in the beginning and then basically just having to kill the security guard and move on, I thought was kind of funny. Like it, that was unexpected to me. Well, I like too when he's like, yeah, here's my... I'm Michael Parker, 51, and she's like, you have to bring that number up. And he's like, 54, and she just like steps back, and he's like, well, you don't have to be rude about it. <laughs> and then that's the thing the guard notices. He's like, 57, and like starts scratching at it. Yeah. Um, one thing before we fully get into the heist, and this sets up the heist, but uh, the general tells... Michael Shannon, you know, congratulations, you've, you've done what you needed to he do here so you can pack up for a, and, you know, give yourself a pat on the back for a job well done. And I was like, what the fuck has he accomplished? Like, you guys haven't learned anything about this fish. And it's like, 
un- the one part of the story that's unclear is like what the government wanted with this fish. It almost seems like they found it and now they don't know what they want to do with it. That's exactly like, what I think it is. Because Dimitri at one point was like, this will help you in the space race. And that's because that's what the Soviets seem to want it for. And then the, there is like, I guess, pointing out like a little bit of the Americans no, they, are just like, we don't they, fucking know what it is. Let's destroy it. No, no, no. But didn't they say like, we need to beat them in the space race. And to do so, we need to learn how to adapt and breathe in space. And since the fish man knows how to breathe in and out of water, wouldn't like his respiratory system help develop something that would help us breathe in space? Like, I actually thought that was really smart. Except he's like, congratulations, job well done, but they haven't learned anything yet from it. And then they're going to cut it open. And that may not tell them anything. They, like, it may have been better to let it live for a while and try and learn from it that way, run tests on a living subject rather than cutting it open and then be like, oh, this doesn't help us. And this was the only one. <laughs> this was the only one. Yeah, but I mean, part of the whole like, motif of the film is saying like, all these military scientist men are really like brash and dumb. And like, you, you get that. No, that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. the, the Americans are just like, all right, let's cut it open. Let's destroy it. Um, and then we also, before the escape, you have, you have Dimitri trying to steal it with his Russian guys and then telling him, no, you know, we can't, we can't do that. But the second montage of, like you said, the second montage of them getting the plan together for the heist is like, is good stuff. The yeah. one, the one last thing I want to say before we actually get to the heist is, you know, Strickland buys this new Cadillac. Michael Shannon does. Yes. Um, I really like the scene of him driving it, especially with the music. It's kind of got this like Latin feel to it. And two times in the movie, they did this that I really appreciated. The first was when they go to the Russian restaurant. As you, as you first figure out, okay, he's a Russian spy. They start playing this like very Russian sounding like song. And it's playing, playing, and then you get to the restaurant, and the band in the restaurant is a Russian band playing that song. And then they start playing this Latin song as he's buying the car, driving it all the way to the dealership. And then it cuts to Giles watching that song being played on TV. Yeah. Like, I thought both of those moments were really cool. And it's like, you know, they're doing the same trick twice, but I appreciated it both times. Well, not only did this movie win for Best Picture, but it also won for Best Original Score. And you know how I was like telling you how amazing like the coloring was for like everything as far as like production wise and camera lighting was like in the blues and greens, right? Right. Well, it also won for production design. So yeah, I mean, this everything works so well, like everything gelled so well in this film. I love how the color of the Cadillac he got was blue. But the only way to convince him to get it was for this dealer to tell him it's not green. It's not blue. It's teal. Well, and then uh, Fleming's like, oh, that's a great car. It's so beautiful. What an, it's got a great shade of green. He turns around. It's teal. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, that is good. Um, and then they crash the van into the Cadillac. Yeah. Before that, if you didn't think Strickland was an asshole when he purposely spills the water and she's cleaning it up and he's like, are you completely mute or, or do you squawk? And then as she's kind of walking away, he's like, I bet you I can make you squawk. Um, really fucking creepy. Squawk. Yeah. It's weird. Like squawk, like squeal. I get squawk. I don't think it makes it any less creepy. If you tell a woman that works under you that you can make her squeal maybe worse actually yeah maybe worse you know what i think they gave him a little bit of too much credit on that one david so now that we're actually at the escape yeah i think it's a really great scene um you know you have octavia's character zelda like continually noticing that something's up and then she punches the time card for eliza which is going to be key and a key element that Eliza did not think about. Um, yeah. Although 
she's always showing up late, so I guess it probably wouldn't have been out of character for something like that. Um, <laughs> the Strickland's part of that, where he's Dimitri comes in and says, "Hey, we have to save this fish." And he's like, "Knock! You got to go outside and knock. It's protocol." Yes. Um, is really cool later on when Dimitri comes back in after the fish is safe and been stolen by Eliza, and he says. You know what? What are you doing? Why did you come here, Hofstetler? He's like, doctor. You know, protocol. Um, yeah. The the juxtaposition of like the change in power. Yeah, like it's the called, it's power called cruel irony. Yeah, but no, I just thought it was really cool. Um, what's funny too is then like Octavia like tries to stop her, which I thought was like at this point like she's already too deep. Like, why are you trying to have her put it back? Like the, the like the fish is out of the tank. Like, you have to, like, keep moving. Um, and I think Dimitri's also there solely, as I said earlier, to explain to her how to save this fish, because otherwise there's no way she would know how to. Um, yeah. I, everything just kind of all comes together at that scene, except for the fact that Richard Jenkins, like, flubs up on the on the – what is it? A passport? Uh, it's an ID. It's an ID. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love how the Soviets gave Hofstetler that like syringe of poison to kill to kill fish, right? The fish man. Um, and he uses it on the guard, which I just thought was so funny. And I was like, holy shit! He just killed that guy. But also, it's kind of funny. Yeah, I felt bad for that guard. Like. He was just doing his job. I know. Just a well, military this police is, officer. This is, this is war, David. There are casualties. Yeah. And so, Michael Shannon, too. Um, at, the last thing of that scene that I think is really great is um, Fleming talking to Michael Shannon, being like, hey, I don't, we, what are we going to do? And he's like, uh, I have 24 hours before, before I have to report. And he's like, I already did. Yeah. He's like, what? What? He's like, yeah. Yeah, as as, and then the woman comes up behind you. her, and he's like, "The journal is here to see you, sir." And he just gives him this look, like, "What the fuck?" Or no, yeah, I think at that point he was on the phone. And then later on, she's like, "Oh, I have a message from the general." And she's like, "No, no, no, I don't, I don't want to talk to him." And she's like, "Well, he's in your office." Yeah, that was great too. I also, I know we skimmed over this part, and there's so many points of this movie that are just so great. I mean, there's like a thousand scenes with Richard Jenkins that just. I would love to talk about. I mean, I don't just watch the movie at this point, just watch the movie. Cause it is amazing. But I do want to say that when Hofstetler is talking to Strickland and he has that panel of cameras behind him and Hofstetler sees the camera, like move up into the ducks he knows what's up. He knows what's going down. So he knows like, okay, she's going to need my help at this point. I'm going to be there for her at this point. Um, I thought it was great. You know, I just, he's noticing this like tiny little thing that no one else would notice. And that's when he knows to make his move. So that's a, that's another thing. I think we can move on from the heist now though. Yeah. I think the next great part, I mean, besides like the relationship developing between Eliza and the fish and like All him making sex. a move him making a move and her like not wanting to and going to bed and then then immediately getting up and like well you know what I normally do in that tub you're in the way so <laughs> um but I love the Richard Jenkins scene where when the fish eats the cat yep. and then he runs away and yep. you know swipes at Giles arm as he runs into the movie theater I almost wish you had had more cool scenes in the movie theater because that movie theater is really fucking awesome. Uh, that she's you didn't like, like all the water pouring down on the on the. I mean audience? that part is great. That is that's probably that's probably the coolest scene in the movie is like the yeah. whole the logistics of in real life of you like just thinking that you can fill up your bath that would have taken hours. Also, it wouldn't have worked. No, it like the what no. But anyway, the spacing between the door and the amount of water you would need to fill up the space that could like offset the amount of spillage, it just it wouldn't work. But it works here and it's beautiful. It, yeah, definitely beautiful. But I I like Richard Richard Jenkins after 
uh, Eliza brings the fish guy back and uh, he's like, no, 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 don't play with the kitties. Do not play with the kitties. And the fish walks over to him, like kind of apologetic. He's like, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. You know, everything's fine. Um, And that's a cool scene too, where it's kind of, kind of avatar ish where like he puts his hand on him and he lights up and that like, you know, heals him. Yeah. Although I think the avatars, that was sex when they connected. It was sex. Yeah. 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 So yeah, with their tails, fish thing, their tails. Uh, But let me let me ask you something before we get into that. Um, Did you did you like how I? So when I first saw this, and even when I've seen it, because it's been like three years since I've seen it last, right? Every time he swipes next to Jenkins, and he cuts his arm, do you think he's gonna die? I thought he was gonna die. Well, and that's the, we can talk about it now. That's kind of the juxtaposition with Michael Shannon because he, he cuts the fingers off. You don't really know how. At first I thought he had like bit him off, but it kind of seems that he probably cut them off with a claw or something. I thought he bit him off. Well, why would he spit him out? It, well, okay. So actually Taylor and I have a theory about this. So he eats the cat, right? But he spits out Michael Shannon's fingers because he's not going to consume something so vile. I don't know. The cat hissed at him. So he probably thinks the cat's probably evil too. No, but think about it. Right. Cause the, the whole point of the movie is trying to say like, Hey, he's actually closer to human than what you might think. Right. So he wants to damage Michael Shannon because he hates his guts. He like stole him from his place. And he, he even said like, we didn't make friends along the way. Right. Um, so I took it as like, he literally bit off his fingers and spit them out just to like spite the dude. And I, I, I believe that. Yeah, maybe. He's not I mean, going to, he's not going to resort to cannibalism. I mean, if he is that close to being human, he's, he's not going to eat the fingers. He's just going to fucking spit them out. He likes to eat eggs anyways. Are you done? It doesn't yeah. matter how the fingers got chopped off. My point is, you know, the the difference between that and this is he he could have healed Strickland if he wanted to, right? You know, he could have done his voodoo magic and the fingers probably would have stayed attached. Um, Strickland's, you know, evil, and so he didn't help him out. Whereas it, it's it's curious what would have happened to giles richard jenkins had he not you know touched him and and lit up and so i I think that's just is kind of a cool aspect of the movie um a lot cooler maybe than uh eliza miming how the fish penis works oh that was pretty cool so i don't really understand it is it it's just she's saying it's a compartment that opens and then it's like comes out yes yeah it's like two doors it's like elevator doors that's like i took it as like no no no. i took it as like it it it's like a drawbridge so instead of opening like an elevator door i took it like it it more like fell fell down and then the penis came out but that's not what she mimed oh she mimed like elevator doors and she mimed it like yeah like it it rotates like that oh okay and then and she used a tiny finger so it's I don't not know. the size of the fish penis, David. It's how you <laughs> use it. It's the motion in the ocean. It's the motion in the ocean. A lot happens in this next little bit. Uh, you know, the Russian meeting, I think, with Dimitri is pretty cool, where he, like, offers them cake because he thinks something's up and he notices the gun on them, and so he wants to be able to have a knife handy. Yes. Um, yes. And that, you know portends that things aren't going to end well between the russian guys um and then you know he's told he you know we're going to extract you in 48 hours the fish starts not doing well and eliza can tell you know he's not breathing great general hoyt comes to the facility and tells him he has 36 hours and it's like it doesn't matter that you've never failed me before if you fail me now you're fucked which Um, i thought was which i thought was really great by the way the way Strickland is trying to like save his own ass by being like a man who has worked for you this long and has accomplished all these great things. They're going to fail one time and you're going to like, you know, mark them. 
as a failure. Yep, that's exactly what I'm going to do. It's like, okay. Um, and this all leads to the scene where, well, before that, we got to talk about the, the dream sequence dance singing scene. Did that bother you? That didn't bother me. I mean, it's a fantasy film. I just was like, all right, that's a little, it took me a little out of it. I, I get it. It's like, like I said, it's the, the homages to like, the, it's the homage to old Hollywood movie. I was hey man, like, they ah, showed me a I, fish man who can dance. I'm not complaining. Yeah, I could have done without it. I didn't. It's, it's, it was whatever to me. The second it was so time, short though. It was like 45 seconds long. 45 seconds too long. Mm. I like the movie a lot. That scene, meh. What are you going to do? Um, the, the scene where Strickland follows the Russians and, you know, Dimitri gets shot in the face and then you, you know what's about to happen. Like, you know the Russians are about to get taken out. Yeah. He shoots the one guy once through the head and he knows that guy's done. He shoots the other guy like seven times he really wanted to make sure yeah um which which also shows his like like unfazed love for like being an american like i need to take out like i need to completely obliterate these soviets you know yeah 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 absolutely (laughs) i love when he walks up to he's like you were speaking russian bob yeah I mean, that's what you cast. That's why you cast Michael Shannon, right? You could cast anyone to play a bad guy. Fine, whatever. Joaquin Phoenix or um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. No, what's that actor from The Patriot? I'm I'm losing his name. Tavington. Tavington. Yeah, but what's the actor's name? I don't know. I hate when you do this to me. There's. I'm sorry, but there's but, thousands of movies with bad guys. You don't have to just use the use the movies we talk about. Okay, you're absolutely right. So you could use Joaquin Phoenix, uh, Ray Fiennes. Um, no. Did you just go Voldemort? No, I went. I went in Bruges. You dumbass. Oh, some movies we've talked about. Yeah, right. but also Voldemort. So listen, the whole point is is that you use Michael Shannon for lines like. You are speaking Russian, Bob. Great. And then drags him by the cheek, which I'm pretty sure his cheek would have fucking ripped, like the way he was dragging him. Um, I guess he was stepping with it. My question here is, why does Bob, Bob's whole motivation throughout this entire movie is to save that fish above all else? Yes. Why, as he's dying, when Michael Shannon will not know anything does my does he actually tell michael shannon the truth michael shannon can't verify shit right you want to know the answer i well i'm gonna guess an answer and then you can tell me but the only thing i could think is he thought that it was too late and so it was basically a, a fuck you to him like these people you didn't think anything of took your fish (laughs) took so fucking fish took that damn fish um no you're you're absolutely right but the other thing is is like i know you you haven't like studied filmmaking as long as i have right but to develop to develop a proper plot you need something called conflict and at this point in the movie unless bob didn't say anything there wouldn't have been any so to develop more conflict throughout the ending of the film that needed to be said so this last minute like rush and like you know uh, thing that the main characters had to overcome that that needed to happen a much better ending is michael shannon driving around with a map and a clipboard of addresses of random people that work at the at the, the factory he's like you know bob williamson speaking... did you, did you have my fish? <laughs> speaking of that how funny is it that like you just you just basically stole property from the u.s government and not only does eliza zelda um go back to work like the very next day but fucking bob comes back to work the very next day like nothing fucking happened that's how you don't look suspicious don't look suspicious don't look suspicious 
Yeah, I guess you're right. It's just like, I don't know. I mean, that's I, I like uh, as hell. I really like Zelda. I'm really bad at lying. I can only lie to my husband in the, the next minute, like really fucking good at lying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now we got to talk about, um, we got to talk about when Michael Shannon has their addresses and he goes to Zelda first. Um, we got to talk about Zelda's husband. Yeah. I mean, probably the second, when I say worst, I mean like the second bad guy character of this movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause you just hear how much of a deadbeat he is this entire time. And then when you meet him, he does not fail to live up to that. Um, and just the only thing he does is, <laughs> you see, in order to drive this plot further along, mm. you needed someone to tell Strickland where the fish was. Yes. And what time um, and what day that they need to bring him to the specific location. In this case, I actually really like the plot device where they had to wait till the rains kicked in, like in mid-October, for them to actually have the water from the canals high enough so he can like make the jump into the ocean. I love that entire plot device right there. Yeah, but I don't understand why they couldn't just have walked past the canal and he could have jumped in there <laughs> into the water. Well, I didn't think about that, David. And and in the moment, a majority of people are not. Yeah, I know it was fine to me. I, I may, there might have been some logistics. There, there might have been roadblocks. It might have been like harder to get back there. You in all know. of Baltimore, there's no other way to get to the ocean. You have to go to this one canal. You don't know, man. You were telling me that Taylor didn't like the last scene. Um, I actually really liked it. It was kind of funny. I was telling my wife she was going to watch it with me, but then she was like, I'm just going to have weird fish dreams if I watch this right before bed. I'll have to watch it another She's gonna time. She's going to have weird weird fish fantasy? I don't know. She didn't say what kind, okay. and I didn't want to inquire. That's the type of thing you don't ask in a marriage. Um, and I was saying, I was telling her afterwards, I was like, yeah, the movie ended exactly how you'd expect. And she's like, well, how did it end? And I was like, well, she goes to the docks to release him. She gets killed. The fish is a godlike creature who uh, kills the bad guy with a slice to the throat and then saves her life by giving her gills. And then they live happily ever after. Typical, like, typical happy ending. And she was like, that's not at all how I would have expected that to end. And I was like, oh, well. I guess, I don't know. I guess I just, that's what I saw happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not like she didn't like it. It's not like Taylor didn't like the ending. Um, she felt a lot like, like how I felt about it, where it was like, okay, like, you know, you don't really see the whole Gil thing popping up. That's kind of weird last minute, but also... I mean, how else is it going to end, right? Also, I, I also noticed, like, um, Richard Jenkins starts the narration from the beginning of the movie, and then the movie ends in his narration. So you could almost look at it like it's the whole movie is being told from his, like, understanding and perspective of what has happened. Um, so he was watching all of that fish sex. Yeah, he was their neighbor. Walls were very thin. Um, but do you see what I'm saying? Like, who knows what happened to her for real? But, like, this is, like, his perspective of what, like, could have happened to her? Well, he was at the dock. So, I mean, maybe he was just looking in the water. I don't know. I, um, I find it odd that in the 60s, a black woman would have called the, the cops, the local Baltimore cops, on an FBI agent. <laughs> and they would have listened? <laughs> well, and that they wouldn't have just shown up and started shooting at the fish guy immediately. They were just like looking at it like, oh, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, well, I mean, maybe Guillermo del Toro was giving more credit to our 1960s police officers than he should have. So I do want to say that I did like this movie a lot. Um, the only thing I feel like at the end, and I pointed this out, but Dimitri telling him, Hey, the help stole your fish. And then 
then him going to Zelda's and saying, where's my fish? And Brewster's like, oh, well, I overheard phone conversation. The mute girl's got your fish. And then him going to the apartment. And the only thing that they forgot to tear down was the, the calendar thing that says rain docks. Like, I feel like all of those little things. since there's pop- only one docks in all, in of, all Baltimore. of Baltimore. I just feel like all of if she wrote yes, the movie ends i'm sorry hold on the movie ends and they're like at the point where they're about to release him and michael shannon drives up and like comes out of his car guns a blazing but he's at the wrong docks <laughs> it's, he's like it's the fucking fifth dock i'm running out of bullets i should really wait to see if they're there before <laughs> i start shooting um but all those things are a little too like circumstantial for me like like they just keep keeps working out for him that like oh eliza or zelda's husband told me and oh bob thinking the plans and oh they forgot to tear down the one thing that's going to tell him where we're going which that part i think makes the most sense that she's like we just got to get the fuck out of here and do this as quick as possible but then when you do think we have to get out of here as quick as possible once you get to the docks maybe speed up the goodbye a little bit um yes yes i agree with you but like i said before you need that kind of urgency and you need that conflict to to get could they have maybe like manufactured it better probably apart from that though what did you think of every part of the movie that led up to that ending do you want me to go through them individually or are you just asking my overall feeling? It's your overall. No, I already said I liked it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of your basic Hollywood love story, but because you throw in all these like sci-fi fantasy elements to it and now you're adding like this heist element to it. I, I think, like I mentioned before, it's weird enough to be so like unique that of course it won the Academy Award. I mean, it, it's... It's great and it's weird. So I think it f- hits all the points that it needs to. I agree. Also, have you ever seen Hellboy? Just end the fucking podcast. You said you have to go to bed. You're supposed to be up in seven hours. I have a son. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And this is David. And I finally watched The Shape of Water. <laughs>